Welcome to the Good Good Experience Podcast. Where related minds talk about related topics. And we all just happen to be related. Buckle up, this is going to be a good one. We've got that good good experience podcast. Hey, welcome to that Good Good Experience podcast where related minds talk about related topics and we all just happen to be related. Hey guys, I'm Marcus Bozen and glad to be with you guys for another round of this wonderful, wonderful podcast. Hey, this week we've got a brand new episode for you guys. We're going to dig into the crates of the joint music, some of the type of music that you like to hear. Mel, what is it called? In the hole in the wall joints, all town clubs, you know, that blues, stuff that kind of makes you feel good, make you think about your woman and those types of things. You know, that's what we're doing this week. And I can't get this thing started without my cousin co-host. Hey, Kimmy, what's going on? Marcus, darling. How's a good, good family doing today? Hey, we're doing good there, Kimmy. Now, I can't do this without my cousin co-host. Hey, Mr. Byron Bino Brown, what's going on, buddy? Hey, what's up, Marcus? What's up, Kimmy? Yes, indeed. It's time to get this party started right now. Welcome, everyone, to the good, good. Hey, so guys, this week we've got a very special episode. We're going into the crates and we're going to do our blues joint episodes. And we've got a very special guest with us this week. She's a blues singer writer from the small town of Blakely, Georgia, like our roots are from. And we're going to introduce her in just a minute. But before we get started, we're going to get into our good, good segment where we talk about some of the things going on in the world of music, movies, and more. And Byron, you're not first. What's good, good man? All right, Marcus, I'll tell you what's good, good. Apparently, allegedly, there's a rumor that Tyler Perry has bought BET as well as VH1. And I cannot be even more excited. It's a great thing to hear. Apparently, Tyler Perry has been in a bidding war for BET with multiple big names. 50 Cent's name has been in the ring, Shaquille O'Neal, Byron Allen, Kenya Barris, and Sean P. Diddy or Diddy Combs have been also mentioned as far as trying to bid on BET. And it's apparent and it's a rumor that it was worth $3 billion, but he has already scoffed at that number. But it's really leaning towards a confirmation that he's already acquired both networks if that is the case he is the first black male to own not one but two networks major networks and he's already experienced major success on BET because he has a lot of shows with the deal that he had already inked but Tyler Perry has really been maneuvering over the past what 20 plus years doing it well less than that actually because 20 years ago he was still working those those plays right Roughly 20 years, like 22, 21 years ago, he still was building his name. And then he came into full 
flow of who he is now within the past 20 years. And, and, and Byron, you know, before we, before we go any further, man, I, I really want to take a pause. Mm-hmm. Just go around the table to see what you guys think. The fact that where he came from and his journey for him to be a highest level to basically, you know, allegedly, this is what's being put out there, purchasing black entertainment. What does this do for black culture? Well, I'll just say this. First and foremost, it's great to know that BET is back in the hands of a black person that really gets the vision because when it was sold initially, I guess I think it was sold for what, a couple of billion dollars initially. There was there was high hopes that the network would be taken to a different level. And the level that it went to is not necessarily the level of which I think is ideal. I think the vision was lost. A lot of things changed drastically with the network to make it less desirable. And of course, the viewership has gone down. So I think it, first and foremost, it's great that it's back in the hands of a Black person, an African-American person that truly gets the vision. And hopefully it will elevate and bring be that beacon again that it once was, showcasing new talent, really pushing to the forefront new talent and uh, celebrating all the talent within the African-American community. Yeah. Kim, what are your thoughts? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, people had a lot to say about Tyler Perry with him wearing a dress to um to bring about last and everything. Like he's the first person to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. But he was able to transform that. He had a reason to do that. And now he not only owns one of the biggest studios in Atlanta, where everyone is going to now, he now supposedly owns BET and VH1. There is method to his madness, okay? And sometimes we just need to just be quiet and do the work and and see what comes of it, you know? I mean, I think it's a beautiful thing, and this is going to be a big thing for our culture. I think BET is going to go back to, not back, but become what it should have always been, maybe bring back some the video shows. I hope so. Oh, God. I know. And more Black movies, not just his movies, but all the good Black movies. <laughs> As as well as new shows, new game shows with us on it, new new sitcoms with and and new dramas. It's just bring back some fresh ideas to BET, like it should have done in the very beginning. Yeah. So for me personally, I think I tried to figure out a event that would pair to such a monumental time in uh in our black culture as this is. And the only thing I could think of was the night Obama got elected as president of the United States. I know You're I was, comparing it to that? Yeah, I was. And the reason why is because the serious of it, like you said, a black person taking back control of something that was created for us. Supposedly. Mm-hmm. Right. And the same expectation that we have for Obama. I don't know if a lot of people expected Obama to kind of like elevate black people as a race. But however, we, we did have some big expectations. I'm just happy for Tyler. I mean, point blank period. I'm just happy for Tyler. I'm glad that he, this is allegedly happening. Like I said, this hasn't been confirmed. This is still allegedly. But however, I think he'll be great for the network. A lot of his work is already being shown on the network as far as like his plays, his movies and stuff. 
of that nature. And so hopefully, like Kim said, you know, it won't just be, we have a big, fresh ideas that just highlight us, you know, as Black people. So, you know, I'm very excited for what's going on, if this is true. And hey, I'm, I'm expecting good, great things on the horizon. Me too. Yeah. He, look, he'll definitely have us working because he's definitely pulled a lot <laughs> he, of... <laughs> he, don't, he don't play when it comes to us. He really yeah. don't. He don't. A lot of talent, tenured talent he's kept in the forefront. He's good it. for reaching back and bringing mm-hmm. back talent that, that we haven't seen for a while. So I, I think he's going to do do right by us. I think so. All right. Kim, what's good get on your end? All right. Well, after a successfully sold-out event in 2022, the highly anticipated Rock the Bells Festival is set to return to Forest Hill Stadium in Queens, New York on August 5th, 2023. This year's festival is particularly special because it commemorates the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. The lineup is expanding as we speak. From everyone, from Queen Latifah, Moni Love, Ludacris, De La Soul, Slick Rick. I recently heard Jungle Brothers is going to be coming. And many, many others. There's too long of a list to even try to give you everyone. But this is going to be an event for the ages. I mm-hmm. wish I could go. I'm still trying to think about it. <laughs> so anyway, what's good get on your area, Marcus? Hey guys, do you know what today is? Well, no, it's, it's our not. anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, yes, 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 yes. But not only that, Tony, 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 including Raphael Sadiq, Dwayne Wiggins, and those guys, they are reuniting and they're gonna be back on tour. Um, the real first Tony, day, Tony, Tony. The real Tony, Tony, Tony. Their first event will take place in Atlanta, the Fox Theater in Atlanta, on October 22nd, 8 o'clock. Tickets are going fast, guys. This is a really, really big deal. Tony, Tony, Tony has given us so many hits over the years, including it's our anniversary. And so, guys, I'm looking forward to a great, great, great tour with these guys. I'm so excited. And also, I don't want to forget... In a couple of days, July the 3rd, will be one of our other co-hosts' birthday. You want to take a guess who? Mr. Byron Abino in the brown. <laughs> you better damn believe it. The big man of the DMV, man. Happy birthday to you and his twin brother, Thank you. Byron. July the 3rd, man. We, we love you guys so very, very much. Aww, thank you. We're just so glad that you're a part of this podcast, man. I'm so happy to be a part of it. Thank you so much. Hey guys, without further ado, let's get into this thing. We are celebrating blues, our joint favorite hits, and we got a very special guest. She is a blues singer, songwriter, and she has one of the most amazing voices. Please help us welcome to the good good, Miss Harriet Bootsy Taylor. Hey, what's going on? Hey, everybody. How are you? So glad to have this opportunity to be with you guys this morning. And Byron, I know you're going to have a wonderful, wonderful celebration of life. Thank you so much, Bootsy. Miss Kimmy, what's good? Good, girl. (laughs) (laughs) She fit right in, didn't she? Yes, she did. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, Miss uh, Miss Bootsy, welcome to the good, good. Uh, If you would, to start us off, if you would, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, if I can sum it up with just a little bit, but it's okay. Well, I'm I am um, I'm originally from Miami by way of Georgia. Um, 
I grew up in the southern or the south um, in my early parts of life. Um, we migrated up north. Um, I've been in, um, I've been actually singing since maybe about the age of three, um, different um, genres of music. I started out in the gospel, singing as a soloist. And as I got older, I um, basically migrated to some of my favorite music genres, blues being the, being one of them. So I'm excited to be here and I thank you guys for this opportunity. And I don't know what else to say other than that. Well, we thank you for coming. We, we certainly do, yes. Absolutely. Just real quick, I just wanted to ask, of course, just like a lot of other artists, you started off singing gospel music probably in church. What was it about blues that intrigued you? Well, I'll tell you the truth. Both my parents were in quartets back in the 60s and the 70s. And I met a lot of famous people before they became famous. Um, Johnny Taylor, Sam Cooke, you know, all these people actually sat at my dinner table and they would come in and my dad, they would have what they call juke jams. They would sit at the table and just start jamming around the table and they would be singing some of their favorite music and it wasn't always gospel. So that intrigued me a lot. That intrigued me a lot. And then plus the music that my mom and dad would play and see, and I, I go way back because we used to listen to 45s and 33s. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, and, and and a lot of times we would get that live experience. I mean, I, I met some of the greatest singers. I, that's what I like to say. You know, yes, they sung gospel, but, you know, but they love other music, too. So that's what got me involved with music the most. And besides that, I used to like the attention. So <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Oh, she can sing at that age, you know. So, and then my mom and my godfather, they would take me all over the place, especially in Georgia. I went all over the place back in 19, I want to say 74, between 74 and 79. I even was one of the youngest singers on in the Georgia Mass Choir back then. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Did yeah. not know that. Okay. Well, Georgia they used Mass- they used to audition all over. And, and that's and, and that's really what I want to disclose to a lot of people. You know, you'd be surprised how you can get exposed to certain music because, you know, there was always societies or divisions that you would get involved with. And then, you know, you would progress further up. And that's just how the Blue Society is set up now. If you can get involved with a Blue Society where they have open night jams and open open mic night. You just don't know who would be sitting in that audience. And a lot of them are big name players. Right. Now, now, who are some of the artists that you listen to the most coming up, Miss Boosie? Oh, the list is long, honey. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. Um, even, you know, it depends on what genre we're talking about, because, honey, I come back come from the era where when Grandmaster Flash them first came out That's in the right. Rock right. Uh, you know, um, oh, um, oh, um, you know, Queen Latifah. It depends on the genre, but um, R&B, you know, blues, but blues, my my number one person that I used to listen to, I mean, all the time 
was Mahalia Jackson. And I know she was a gospel singer, but you should hear some of the music that she did. Etta James. Oh, my God. Tina Turner. Oh, yes. I mean, these women were goddesses to me when it came to the music genre. They were just goddesses to me. And I listened to a lot of different artists. One hit wonders I listened to, you know, it was like the Commodores, the Dells, you name it, you know, yeah. what can I say? I listened so to me, a lot of music. So let me ask you, did Mahel, Miss Mahalia Jackson, did she sing anything other than gospel or did you get a, were you in her presence? Like maybe she might've been singing something by Sam Cooke or something like that. I mean, did she sing well, anything? Other? Well, as 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 it would have it, my mama used to tell me a lot of stories about Mahalia Jackson. And she used to tell me a lot of stories about Aretha Franklin. She used to tell me a lot of stories about a few of the um, Edna Gamma Cook, you know, a few of the gospel artists that basically um, they would have a good time on a Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. In the okay. in the jet joints, baby. In the jet right. joints. <laughs> okay. Okay. They knew how to have fun. Exactly. On that Saturday night and be in church yeah. the next day. Okay, yeah. and be in church on sometimes all week long. <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty obvious. You watch the Aretha Franklin movie with Jennifer Hudson, where her father. But he knew how to have a good time as well, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it was a lot of, you know, a lot of it was that was a part of a lot of people's journeys, basically. And and things things have changed through the generations. You could even go to a softball or a baseball game, and later on, they would open up the juke joint and have live musicians come through. There was a few places right there in Early County. I remember mm-hmm. Annette Green. I remember a few places back yeah. in the day. Um, yeah, That's I actually boy. played on a softball league back then. We were originally called the Hells Angels. And everywhere we went around the South, you know, we would be exposed to good music. Uh, absolutely. Now, was is there a particular artist that you wanted to work with that you didn't get an opportunity to work with? Of course, Buddy Guy. Mm. Legend, legend, buddy guy. I mean, I I, I had an opportunity um, to be on stage with another legend. I, I fulfilled that dream, and that was Mr. Joe Lewis Walker, Grammy Award winning Joe Lewis Walker. Um, if you follow um, his 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 journey, these guys have been in the game for well over 50, 60 years. You know, and and they're still around and they're playing, um, you know, sold out shows and mostly overseas as well. Um, So, yeah, that would be my dream connection. Mr. Buddy Guy. I have a question for you. Um, You mentioned about blues society. And I'm just kind of curious when it comes to blues music, what are the basic ingredients to decipher or determine if a blues artist or blues song is the real deal? There are a lot of imitators out there. So if you hear a blues song, what do you listen for? Well, I I, I listen for actually emotion, the grit, um, that's in well when it comes to musicians ooh, if they can remind me of my childhood mm. 
then I'm there. <laughs> if they can remind me of back in the day when we would have, um, what they used to, well, not street parties, but yeah, block parties and different things like that. If they can remind me of my grandmama and what she would listen to and how she would, you know, be moving around. That's what I listen for. Unfortunately, and, and I don't want to be negative, and so forgive me, a lot Black people, unfortunately, do not engage as much as we should in the blues game. You'll find more um, other people at our concerts now than our own people. Uh-huh. Do you think I mean, because they say like certain generations think it's old fashioned or it's a, a oh. regional, southern regional type of sound that they don't may not identify with? What do you think? Well, I wish I knew the answer to that, because I tell you, I fell in love the first time I went to a blues jam. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, the live music. You it's a different it's a different impact. And I'll never forget, um, you know, because I wasn't. Like I said, um, I didn't I didn't get involved with the blues game until later on in life. And and what made me do it was I went to a I went to a jam, you know, an open mic jam. And there was a lot of professional musicians. You know, they just want to they're in the area They're They're on tour or whatever, but they'll come in and, you know, do impromptu shows and. When I went in there, I only saw maybe a handful of black people in there. And and I was like, oh, let me get out of here. This ain't no good. This ain't good for me. But then when I saw Kenny Neal for the first time get up there in a blues jam, I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the guys came up to me. He said, well, you look like you are a professional singer. <laughs> And I just looked at him like, how did he know that? He said, I want you to get up there and I want you to sing something for me. He said, please, 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 you know. And I promise you, from the time that I got up on that mic, I basically went on tour after that all over the country. It was just that incredible. Um, I I was approached by professional blues players that have been in the game since New Orleans days. It depends on what state you're in. Um, Mississippi, their their blues game is different. North Carolina, their blues game is different. South Carolina, it depends on where you're at. But um, the blues, and, and then to get on the blues trail, I tell a lot of young people, please get on the blues trail. Find out the history of the music. There are some young people that's in this game. There are some young people in this game, and they're coming on up. But they're not the color of our skin. Mm, but we got to keep this alive in our in our community. But here's a good question. Is there a difference between juke joint music and the blues? Is it the same? It's basically the same. Um, however, once again, it depends on what region you're in, because what I notice about some young people, what they call the blues I'm like, baby, that's not the blues. <laughs> I don't, uh, I'm not, no, no. Um, you know, and that's just like when my dad, them, and even in the gospel realm, they used to say like Joe Lagon was one of the most, the best callers. And I used to say, that, he said, well, you know, that shout and call, 
you know, big grants, all of them do. He said, baby, that came from <laughs> that came from the gut of quartet. That's what made the, mm. that's what made them better quartet singers. And, and, it, and it was something that you had to learn. And that's just like the blues. You got to get with some you got to get with some good blues players to understand the blues. Now they're 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 on the thin line of, you know, a little rock and roll and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a little. It's like, no, baby, that's still ain't, that's not the blues now. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what's funny. Even I'm, when we go. Yes. Go ahead. Because no, I'm from Newark, New Jersey, and I went to college in the South, and that's how I got introduced to Juke Joint or the Blues. And right. And there is a big difference. Like, for instance, um, your B.B. King, it sounds a little bit different than your Marvin Seats. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, oh, most definitely. And like I said, the majority of them came out of out of church. It depends on their age. It depends on their range. It depends on what they understood to be the blues, because what I understood to be the blues was that sound that I got back in the woods mm-hmm. and it and it went back as far as muddy waters all those guys you know and it's like and what made them who they were was that they had some harsh stories to tell when they got behind mm-hmm. that instrument it, you know, it was about the story it's about that's the story. what i was gonna say the stories yeah. and the songs yeah. and the songs i mean you know and 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 even though I know you could go to school now, you know, you can go to school and learn more. Um, but that that gritty, 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 gritty gut bucket blues just joint, baby, honey. You was you was just like Elvis Presley was back in his days, sitting in a juke joint studying those that were because that's where he got it from that's where he got that's it from. exactly where he got it from miss bootsy <laughs> and i used to say a lot of them are getting it from now um mm-hmm. because i've noticed um, my good friend eric gales um a lot of them they want to videotape him everywhere they go he's a left hand player and baby when he played that guitar can't nobody play it like him but they have been studying him and studying him and studying him and studying him and they still can't do it you know what I'm saying but, but the thing is this is born and bred in us they have to study yeah they oh, oh they got to study now they mm-hmm. they even studied me oh well, we don't sing it like that and how did you get out of I'm like, listen, um, I don't don't know what to tell you. My background goes back to the old landmark, honey. We used to sing without music. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I used to sing acapella. I used to sing without music. You had to learn how to hold that tune in that bucket, my mama used to say. Mm. (laughs) But but I got a question on Miss Bootsy. Yes. I got a question. You may mention about the stories between blues singers and quote-unquote southern soul rb singers and and i say that what would be the difference between a tucker like like a tucker like song as opposed to a bb king like song or the difference between a king george song and and maybe a song by muddy waters oh okay i think i understand the question what would be the difference um to me 
the era that you grew up in. And, you know, so, I mean, that that makes sense. They, yeah. they still got it, though. You know, um, the musicians know because what a lot of them do, they do go back in the archives, listen to music. And if you can, like I said, if you can remind me of, you know, that's just like listening to the staple singers, you know, they were gospel singers and they basically went out and, you know, Mavis, Mavis is, ooh, awesome blues woman to me. And because she took that church gut and, you know, and would sing songs like, if you're ready now, you know, she come on, come on, go with me. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, so what made the difference is that if you can find, if you can relate to my mama's era, my era, and your current era, oh, you're gonna make baby. But you gotta you gotta go back. You gotta you gotta, you know, pick up that mantle, but don't forget where it came from. That's right. Miss Bootsy, I always say, I always say that whenever I hear a blues song, whether it's a singer, someone on a piano, or definitely on the guitar, I always say you can hear the 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 life or the anguish or the experience in whether their fingers or in their voice. I always say oh. that it comes across and it's it's something that cannot be taught or cannot or, be taught. I mean manufactured, you know, it's you a know, natural I, thing. No. You know, and and just like um just like those guys would say back in the 60s, you know, a lot of times they couldn't go in certain places. So they had to, you know, sit down, you know, outside in their car. They, you know, they wasn't exposed to a lot of things that the kids are exposed to now. So if they would just experience that, that's why I love juke joints. I tell everybody and I love to go into a juke joint because they're 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 amazing. And one of and one of and and I'm sad to report this, but one of the greatest blues clubs that was in our region right now in the southern region was in Tallahassee, a place called Bradfordville Blues Club. I just recently found out that they're closing, um, which was sad to me because if you go in there, you would actually feel the ghost of the past. And you, wow. it is something that you're like, oh, my God, when you're looking at the photos and you're looking at, you know, all the authenticity that was there. And then you got Miss um, Ernestine out in the backyard frying up fish, mm. you know, kinds of things that, you know, that, that just basically take you back to your childhood. The culture um, of it. Um, yeah. The culture of it was deep. When you go to Mississippi, if you just get on the blues trail and see how deep it is, you wouldn't take it for granted. And I tell a lot of people, you know, go to a blues festival if you can, but follow the grapes now when you do that. (laughs) Because you might get shocked. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. Miss Boosie, you've got quite an impressive collection of songs yourself, and we want to tap into a couple of them if we can. Okay. Um, all right. Kim, where we starting first? So, per her request, we have an Ike and Tina review song called I Smell Trouble, and we have to give our props and our, our condolences to the Turner family because we've lost a great one. But let's yeah. listen to I Smell Trouble. From now, from now, I will not run and hide. 
I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna face trouble with a smile and a I was kind of in my mind, you know, wondering like, okay, the difference. You kept kept taking it in my mind the difference, and you saying if it does remind me, you know, of a certain era of my life, then it's not the blues. That particular song, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> wow, it just shot right down through my bones, and, mm-hmm. and it made me realize immediately, okay, that's what she means. The difference between. Southern soul, R and B, whatever you may want to call it, and blues. Blues gives yeah. you a certain emotion. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Gives you a certain emotion, and and, and I don't understand why I didn't catch on because there's an episode of the Cosby Show where actually BB King makes a guest appearance mm-hmm. uh, in that episode, and that's what Claire was trying to explain to Vanessa when she was going through some of her "quote unquote" you know teen tribulations. Like, mm-hmm. look. Sweetheart, you got oh, the blues. Yes. You got the blues. Oh, you oh, oh, oh yes. Yeah. And you know, and you know, and what's strange too, I would never forget. I I did go to a Marvin Cease concert. And honey, I was crying and didn't even know why I was crying. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I got the blues. I got the blues. <laughs> <laughs> it. You get engulfed in that. Then that song, the story that they're telling, you put yourself there and you feel it. You know, you just feel it through the- Yeah. Yes, uh, but that's that's to me, that's the blues. If it can, if it can bring tears to your eyes, if it can show you the glory of God, that's the blues to me. Um, I tell a lot of people, God created everything. He he created the blues. And it's amazing that that beautiful sound, what it can do. It can actually heal you if you listen to a lot of the musicians. Um, exactly. And a lot of my, That's what I say. That's exactly a lot what of I my say. Brothers, yeah, a lot of my brothers, you know, they're from New Orleans, Mississippi. And I mean, I mean, Mr. Sip, um, good friend of mine, um, Castro. Excellent. Um, but people don't know, honey, that's that. We, we from the woods, baby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey guys, you know, I gotta apologize. You know, <laughs> I told Byron to play We Don't Need Another Hero Thunderdome and, and she no. dropping and she dropping and Tina Turner's dropping nuggets like those like exactly. wow. 19, 1969 yes, nugget at that. That was 1969. Exactly. So yes, imagine. 
Yeah. And, I'll, and I'll tell you guys, I, I, I um, usually when I'm in concert, I do that song. And I promise you, the people go nuts. They're like, OMG, how do you remember that one? Because you just don't know how you're going to touch people in my and my audience, um, you know, basically are people that were born in the 50s, the 40s, the, you know. They still alive. They love the music. And when you can remind them of that sound, oh, they go bananas over it. They really do. I go back. I, I go into Mavis Staples, into her song list. You know, I go into the older ones, song lists. I even, even um, Big Mama Thornton, all of those people. I, I, you got to go back and you got to remind the people where it came from. There was a song called Mama. He treats your daughter mean. Huh. And I tell everybody, baby, if you listen to that one, you'll be like, my God, okay. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But again, we're here with Miss Harriet Bootsy Taylor, you know, blues singer, songwriter, here yeah. on the podcast. We're having a great time. And while we um, got a quick minute, we want to let everybody know to follow us on Facebook and Instagram and we got the Good Good Experience podcast and also for those that are in the Bainbridge, Georgia area, you can listen to the We Got the Good Good Experience radio show on WKOD LPFM 92.7 on 1pm on Saturdays every day behind Motown Memories with Tom Fallon so let's keep it moving guys, Kim, we're going to keep it here with Miss Boosie and another one of her songs alright? Absolutely. She also requested some Etta James at last. We're going to talk about that afterwards. Here you go. At last My love has come along My lonely days are over And life is like a song Oh yeah, yeah At last The sky's above the blue My heart was wrapped up in clover Okay, now y'all know that was a good one because Michelle and Barack did what? <laughs> yes, they did. They did, they did. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. But but Miss Booth, let me ask you a question. Now yes. when I think about when I think about blues instruments, I think about maybe a banjo, maybe a uh a guitar. But this particular song has pretty much a full orchestra. Now, would that still be considered? Well, I was going to say it was, it was symphon- symphonic, um, but it was the idea of a blues woman engaging in another sound and still holding her own. Mm. And when blues women, you just heard Miss God rest her soul, Miss. Sister Tina did the same thing. They were able to show that, you know, even though they started out in the blues, 
that they were able to marry other musics and continue on. And so that's why I like that particular song. But Etta had another one called I'd Rather Go Blind. Oh, yeah. And if you hear it, you would know the difference. But she had to go back to the gut bucket, you know? <laughs> what I call the gut bucket. <laughs> had to go back. You know? But yeah, you're right. Um, and, and that's one thing uh, I'm proud of my people about um, because honestly, we can go into any arena and make it our own. And, you know, so, and I, you know, and I, I know they say the same thing. That's what they're trying to do with the blues now, but it, it has changed, y'all. It has changed so much. And if it wasn't for Southern blues, I don't think these young kids would want to even hear, want, want to even listen to the blues. And that's, that's unfortunately how it's going now, you know. A lot of them don't know about the International Blues Challenge. That's something that will definitely open roads for anyone if they got involved with that. And that's something they they actually, before the BMAs, before the Blues Music Awards, they always have the International Blues Challenge. And that is to, to introduce, introduce the world to new blues musicians, you know, up and coming blues artists. And you have to go through the regionals, but then they send you to the finals and you're exposed once again to some of the great blues people in, in, in the industry. Right. Now you mentioned the blues challenge and also you may mention about going on a trail ride. Now exactly what mm-hmm. encompasses when you go on that trail ride, what, what does that encompass? I'll be honest with you. It will open your eyes to the history of the music. It'll open your eyes to the history of, you know, like I said, Big Mama Thornton, all these people, you would learn so much. And then so if and if the original places are still, um, I guess, historically marked, you will see the difference of the atmosphere of where people would go to listen to this type of music. You know, it's not, it's not in the big arenas. It's in these juke joints. You know, you see washboards and all kinds of old stuff that people used to use, um, you know. And it kind of reminds you of, you remember that scene in The Color Purple when Celie then was out um, in the, in the juke joint? Mm-hmm. A lot of the places still exist Purples. today. Right? Purples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of those jit joints still exist today, but a lot of people um, only, you know what? Foreigners are coming in America, going to those places a lot more than we are because they know about it. They know about the blues trail. It goes as far down as far south as I think Fort Lauderdale, Florida, all the way up to the Mason Dixon line. Oh, and, wow. And when. And when you go to these different places, you will know what I'm talking about. Clarksdale area, Memphis, Nashville, all these places have some beautiful joints that will put you in the mind of the blues game. You know, why it was so important to history and why it was so important to Afro-Americans. Why it was so important to the colored folks, honey. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, Ms. Potent. it was potent. It was potent. <laughs> oh, I, I believe it. Yeah. See, I believe potent. it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, Miss Boosie, you, you've collaborated with several artists over the years. Here more recently, yes. one in particular, one in particular, Mr. Joe Survival Caruso. Yes. You guys done several tracks together. What, what is it about him that kind of made you guys chemistry the way it is? I'll be honest with you. Um, his story, growing up in New Orleans, which should have, to me, should have been the capital of blues music. Mm-hmm. And you know, learning at such a young age that he had an ear to play a guitar. I mean, just natural talent, just had an ear to play the guitar. It was it was his story. Um, and then, of course, he got relocated because of Hurricane Katrina. So he had a lot. He had a lot to talk about. And that's what Never a dull moment listening to him about the blues game because he started out with some of the greats, too. Oh, I can't call her name right now. She's deceased now. Oh, Denise LaSalle. You know, uh, he, play, he uh. played with Denise LaSalle. He played with, um, ooh, I mean, some of the greats. I, I just, you know, I can't archive or tell you, but he played with some of the greats. You hear me? Coming up in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. So I was just honored to, to even have an opportunity to record for them. I was honored um, to have the opportunity to write a song that he recorded on his album. You know, that, it was just it was just great, great. I was just very honored. Very was that Blue Star, the song that you wrote? Yes, it, yes, it is. Yeah, that was, a, that, that was a song. Yep, that was a song. Um, I'll never forget. I was traveling on the Amtrak. I was traveling on the Amtrak, coming from the north to the south. And it was late at night. And I looked up in the, and I looked up and I, I actually saw this vivid star. I discovered later it was a satellite. <laughs> <laughs> but it meant but it something was to you. <laughs> It meant something to me. And I was going through something at the time. And and I said, Lord, I got to follow that blue star because it looked like our train was going in that direction, you know. Mm, wow. And I said, I got to follow that blue star and let it shine down on me. And then I said, I'm going, I'm going to New Orleans, and which I went. I'm going to Chicago, uh, which I went. Uh, everything that manifested in that song, I wrote it down on pen and and I'll never forget, I had got the melody and everything, and, and, it, and it just hit me. You know, I'm like, this is how a blues player, a blues singer actually feels about the blues game. And no one ever wrote about a blue star. And that's what made me write that song. So I think now's a perfect time as ever to play a little bit of blue star. Here's Joe Survival Caruso featuring Miss Bootsy Taylor with Blue Star. There you go. There's a blue star.
Mm. Wow. You have a great tone, Miss Bootsy. Yes, she does. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can literally see you on Amtrak because, you know, and you see me back. <laughs> That's what we traveled, going to New Jersey to see Kimberly and her and her mom. They lived in New Jersey. We took the Amtrak from Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I can literally see you looking out the window, seeing that blue star and the, the words just coming to your head. You know, when you're writing, do you have to do you have to be going through something or does just like random stuff just come to your head, Miss Bootsy? I mean, when you're writing. Well, honestly, for me, writing is a story. Um, you know, songwriting is telling a story. And and you'll a lot of artists will tell you, yeah, they 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 went through something to get to that particular song. A lot of artists will tell you that. They did. I mean, you know, songwriters, um, they'll tell you when you get to that emotional point, that's and 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 once again, I'm going to give a movie reference. It was the five heartbeat. It was the heartbeat one. When you go through something, that's when you become your best writer. And it's the Mm -hmm. truth. It's the Mm. truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. I mean, how can you sing about something that you ain't never been through? That's right. To me, it's it is just not it's not genuine. It's just and that's why you see a lot of artists when you look at that emotional connection that they have with their audience. It's because they they they're singing that song because they remember that time Joe Schmo walked out on them or whatever. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Miss Bootsy, now, now, you and I talked prior to today's interview. You say you spent a lot of time in, in Boston, in the Massachusetts. Yes. You became friends with some very popular people in that area. Oh, One, yeah. Including the guys, Ed OG and the Bulldogs. Absolutely. Benzino. Uh, man, uh, Marco, Marco Thunder, uh, Maurice Star, New Edition. Oh, honey, we yeah. go way yeah. back before yeah. they got, once again, before they got famous, because a lot of times we would have like the kite festivals there in Boston. And that would be one of a great spot for people to, you know, show their talent. And so I met a lot of people in the studios because I also my brother in law. He's a he's a musician. He played for a lot of them. So he would have me and my sister come in and we would do background vocals for them, help them, you know, get their sound together. And that would be through their transitional periods. A lot of our friends came out of the school of Berkeley School of Performance. A lot of people I've been on stage with Shirley Caesar, the Clark sisters. Nice. Um, we we've honey and like I said, the music game don't owe Boosie nothing. <laughs> I traveled to Japan with a band and we sung all the, you know, we sung all the top 40s. And those people over there in Tokyo loved us as if we were the Beatles. It was incredible. It's, an, it's just, and I tell people, it's like, if you love this thing called music, all you have to do is trust God and keep and keep the faith and keep going and keep doing what you love to do. You will be exposed. I mean, I I emceed a lot of gospel concerts, 
meeting the likes of Joe Lagan, you know, meeting the likes of Roy and Revelation, um, meeting the likes of um, the Canton Spirituals. Harvey Watkins sat in my house and ate fried chicken. You know, it's like it depends on who you it depends on who you know. Bishop Rance Allen, um, you know, wow. all of them. It's like, we'll see, we want your pound cake. <laughs> we don't want to eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, some of your pound cake. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. Now, Boosie got other skills now. Show you. If you can sing, cook. <laughs> right. I can vouch for that. You know, I haven't tasted Miss Boosie's cooking, but I've seen a lot of it on Facebook where she, she shows, you know, how she gets down, man. And she's. She can really throw down in the kitchen, man. She really, really can. And uh, oh yeah, it's authentic, uh, yeah. honey. Now the only thing you won't find Miss Boosie making is some chitlins. I just can't do it. It's I feel you. I feel you. I stink up your I'll whole house. I'll eat them though. I'll mm. eat them though. Oh, I know. I know. I eat my mama's and see, and you know, I, I'll eat hers. And she don't cook them no more, so I don't eat them no more. <laughs> Hey, Miss Boosie, I want to get into some of the folk tales as far as like blues singers that encountered over the years. But before mm -hmm. we get into that, before we get into that, I think we have another song of yours. Okay. That right, Kim? Yes. Let's listen to some Sunshine Blues. Joe Survival Caruso featuring Bootsy Taylor. All right. Yeah. Here comes Oh, yeah. With a smile on her face. She's gonna boogie on down, y'all. She's got those sunshine blues. Better down and pour it up. They got the sunshine blues. They got the sunshine blues. Everybody down in Florida. They got the sunshine blues. They got the sunshine blues. Hey, down in Fort Myers. See Steve and Denise, oh yeah. Lord, they're doing just fine, y'all. They got the sunshine. Look out, Charlie B. Mm. Yeah, that was Sunshine Blues with Joseph Robert Caruso featuring Boosie Taylor. Again, here on the We've Got the Good Good Experience. What was the inspiration behind that one, Miss Boosie? Oh, sure. Um, actually, um, that was when we were on tour in the leg in Florida, going from Tallahassee all the way down to Miami. These are people that we met. These are actually uh, club owners that we talked about. And we talked about our experiences with the writers because a lot of them would interview us and radio and we would have radio interviews and different things. And we was just saying how down in Florida, they got the sunshine blues because, you know, it's hot in Florida. <laughs> when you're on stage, um, for, you know, because I had the opportunity of performing at the Hard Rock, Hard Rock, and, and all of these stages are outdoors in the sun. Um, a lot of them, um, beautiful audiences, great memories, and Certain people just touched our hearts when we were writing that song. And I would say, now, don't forget to mention Franny. Don't forget to mention Charlie B. You know, these are very influential people. I mean, that would be like me now saying, I got the good, 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 good. I got the good, good. <laughs> Yo, hey. you should record that. Hello. Is that our new? 
Is, is that, that our intro? intro? I would love to have intro? a bluesy intro. That would be okay. And you know, awesome. and we would do things like that, and we would sit and you know, because a lot of places, you know, they would um, put us up in their homes and houses, and you know, it depends on your. Um, it depends on what where we were playing, um, which festival we were on, um, Tampa Bay Blues Festival, Everglades, all the way Everglades. You know, these was just some great experiences, guys. And so Sunshine Blues was based on meeting all of these people in the state of Florida. Oh, Absolutely. Wow. Now, I, like I said, before we went to this next uh, track, I want to ask you quickly about some of the uh, folk tales that, you know, people have heard over the years when it comes to blues singers, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in particular. Mm-hmm. Robert Johnson, considered one of the godfathers of blues. They, mm-hmm. they, 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 there's a story where he actually met the devil on a journey somewhere, I, I, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And also, mm-hmm. Howlin' Wolf, you know, see, a man came out of the grave and took his guitar and he oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, our, oh, yes. From your experiences, are some of those stories true? Have you heard any other stories from any other artists that that may have happened to? I got my own. I got my own. Um, One time we was down there at the Bradfordville Blues Club. There's a cornfield between the um, band house and the club. And this was in October-ish, so to speak. Um, The stars were out. It It was beautiful. And baby, it looked like I saw this woman come up out of that cornfield. And they they thought I was doing drugs, and I don't even do drugs. You hear me? <laughs> I don't. I, I, I am a I I I don't knock nobody, but Miss Boosie don't do it, okay? But when I left out of that blues club that night. I know I saw this woman and, and, and it spooked me enough that I stayed up all night long wondering what happened to her. She had on an old apron. She had a, she had, she had, she looked like she was back in 1700 somewhere mm. and she disappeared. And I talked to them boys all night that night. We, they was like, Miss Boosie, please go to sleep. I was like, mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, said, no, mm-mm. That lady I'm, come back. <laughs> I'm not going to sleep right now. Do you hear me? But yes, yeah. and I can understand that. But the unfortunate thing, too, is, you know, depending on how, how long you're on the road and, and, and what you have to do to make your money, your ends meet, you get tired. And sometimes, you know, some people do take enhanced enhancements to you know to keep their longevity or to keep them focused and unfortunately you guys know historically a lot of people basically became addicts um Mm -hmm. you know to you know so yeah they dealt with a lot of that and i think those those things is what they were dealing with if yet but by my experience i believe because i i'm not going to put anyone's business out there but my own but yeah i i i I believe those four i believe those stories i believe that's what they went through because of the era they were in and what they were dealing with because even then though you know they had to deal if they went to the um you know wrong wrong area if they offended somebody you know people were shooting at them and different things back then but yeah so so i guess you're saying like the devices to help cope with 
the the duration of a tour or right. whatever stress factor is there affecting the quality yeah, it, of the tour. Of course. And it it impacted their mental mental stability. And yeah, so yeah, it, it happened. Mm, absolutely. So now, Kim, I guess we're going to get into some of our selections. Absolutely. However, I still have one more for Miss Bootsy called okay, The Sky is Crime. We're going to play right, all her yeah, stuff. All right. The female version. <laughs> <laughs> now you know that was a popular that was a popular blues song for the male blues players. Actually, I was one of the first females that that took that song on. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Oh, absolutely. Here we go. I got a real bad feeling. Bonafide, solid down home blues. Sky is crying now. What was going through? What was going through your mind when you wrote that song, then, Miss Boos? Well, I did not write that song. That was one of the original songs that most of, like, who was it originally that did that song? I'm trying to remember. Forgive me. It went all the way back. One of the one of the kings, Albert King originally did that song and like i said it was a very popular male song you know only the males in the blues game would sing that song so i guess i, I pulled a fast one on that one and i wanted <laughs> to bring it up just a little you know to the modern sound and do the solos with the piano and the guitar player and and to more or less show people the importance of that particular song in the blues game. And a lot of people found it to be very refreshing to hear a female do the song. Well, you definitely elevated the song. Nonetheless, you elevated it to a different point of view. And I think everyone could relate to it regardless yeah, of what. Especially you. women. The sky be crying yeah. for us too. Shoot. <laughs> yeah, the, the sky be crying. And that's, what, that's, crying. What the blues, that's what the blues industry is about, y'all. I enjoyed you guys. And it has thank been you guys an honor. Opportunity. We've enjoyed you. Thank you it's been so such much. An honor. Thank, thank and you. Now, now Miss Boosie, can you make us one promise before you go? I don't know about promises, but I'm listening. <laughs> Will you please come back one day? We have another episode like this. Can you come back with us? Absolutely. I, I, I think that that's a possibility. As long as we're educating and as long as we're understanding the love of music, I love to be a part of that type of platform. And I felt that today here with you guys. And I thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you thank so, you so much. much. We learned so much. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Harriet Bootsy Taylor, blues singer, songwriter, our guest this week on the We've Got the Good Good Experience podcast. Thank you so much. Yes, indeed. 
Thank you, Miss Bootsy. Bye. You're welcome. Be blessed. All right. So, hey, guys, let's continue on with the train, guys, and let's get into some of our jams that we like as far as jig joint and blues is concerned. Where we starting at first, Kim? So, since we just mentioned it, let's listen to some ZZ Hill, Down Home Blues. Ooh. She said, I'm going to get my head back and party on the Down Home Blues. Down Home Blues. Down Home Blues. Oh, she wanted to hear what those Down Home Blues all night long. Every other record or two. She says, I'm on get my head. Absolutely. That was Down Home Blues by the late, great ZZ Hill from the album Down Home release on Malico Records, which was a, a standard as far as like putting out blues music was concerned back in 1981. This song in particular reached number one on the blues charts. It's considered one of the best selling blues singles of all time. And, you know, me growing up in the South, this was a staple. This was in all the jukeboxes at the mm-hmm. good point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you went to the gym joints, you know, you're going to hear this song. It's just a absolute, it's considered a blues standard. It's, it's bigger than a standard. I don't know what be a bigger name than standard, but uh, again, this was a huge hit. I must have far as part of blues songs concerned. What do you guys think? It took me back to coming down here after graduating from high school, going to college and Friends taking you to that first juke joint. It's all smoking in in there and people <laughs> drunk. But but you just sit there in the corner and just this people watch and 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 have this song come on and be like, oh what? Hey, Hold up. What juke joint you went to? Don't be worried about what juke joint. Yeah, mind your business. Is. Mind your business. <laughs> you you forgot I done lived in South Carolina, North Carolina, all parts of Georgia. I I've been. In South Carolina. I yes, I about did. That. Yeah, so yeah. I've been to a juke joint. Or two. <laughs> or three. <laughs> or four. This song is, a, is, a, is like a baseline. I mean, it's a baseline as far as the standard sound of a blues song. Yeah, yeah. Musically, you know, it's, it's a staple. Yeah, That's yeah. This is definitely one of the greats. Azizi Hill is one of the greats. He has a plethora of mm-hmm. gems in his catalog. Again, if you know, if you want a blues, you want to listen to some real blues, as far as like, you know, when Miss Boosie kept capped on the emotions of how blues comes about, go listen to some Azizi Hill, man. You you definitely won't be disappointed. What's next, Kim? Uh, next up, let's go on to some Tyrone Davis. Door wasn't me. Mm. All I got to say is this about that. Didn't see my draw <laughs> Beside nobody's bed You didn't find my hat I still got my hat on my head You said you saw somebody Exactly like me 
up and touch me. Have yeah. me cracking up over here. You didn't see my draw. This whole song had me cracking up. Talk about running out the back door while the husband's coming in the front. See, that's what I love about Juke Joint and Blues music. Just just tell the, the story. story. The story. The truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> there's another, there's another uh, song in, in our list that, that tells a, a, another hell of a story that we'll get into later. i just say his, his initials are CC. But anyway... Mm. <laughs> 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 but anyway, this was uh, Sure Was It Me by the late, great Tyrone Davis, released in 2000 from his album, Relaxing with Tyrone. This is a, also another staple in the blues family. This was the first song that I picked. I went from there. You know, everything else really didn't matter. I knew I, I wanted this song on my list. And guys, do you think it's a coincidence or do you think otherwise that Shaggy, the same exact year, mm-hmm. put out a song that's of a similar title? He probably heard it and made his own. It wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Came out the same year now. No. No, he probably heard it. He probably heard it mm-hmm. and made his own, his yeah. own version. Mm-hmm. Well, well, because even say, though it came out the same year, doesn't mean that it wasn't pro- produced earlier and in the and in, in the music industry and they listening to these songs. Yeah, I, I don't know the story behind it, but however, it just so happened that particular song had a lot of success as well as well as this particular song with Tyrone Davis is a, a staple. You know, everybody, when you play it in the, in the jit joints, everybody sings along with it. So again, needless to say, this has had to be on my list. Absolutely. Yeah. Great What's choice. This? All right. Thanks, guys. What's next, Kim? One that was definitely on my list, and you've got to play it if you're going to play some jute joint music, is Hole in the Ball, Melvin. <laughs> I took my high-class woman with me the next night She didn't want to get out of the car She said it didn't look right She walked into the room with her nose in the air It's seven in the morning, y'all, and she's still in there Smoke-filled room, whiskey and chicken wings People dancing and drinking, and no one wants to leave Let's go, baby, oh yeah the hole in the wall I want to go there I've had my best time y'all yes I did and the hole in the wall I know you've heard of that before hey yeah 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 of a good saxophone in the song too mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that was Mel Waiters from his album Material Things that was released back in 1999. I always thought these songs were actually older than that, but they weren't. Not really. That's the beauty of blues because it has that sound, that certain sound, and it could be current and sound like it's retro. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this song in particular, I think, did a great job of describing the type of club environment that these people were participating in. You think about with a hole in the wall, you know, there's one way in, one way out. <laughs> <laughs> Got that yeah. right. <laughs> and talking about people dancing, whiskey and chicken wings. I mean, that's that's what Can't you... Can't forget the chicken uh, wings. 
Yes, get, get the chicken, the chicken wings. wings. <laughs> this is what's going on in these types of environments. And these guys, they've had these experiences. And this is where how they made their name, how they made their place mm-hmm. in history. You know, at these little small clubs, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so again, male waiters, again, another artist that's gone too soon. Because we told, I think about mm, seven, eight years ago, they had a concert down here in Dothan, Alabama. And I didn't even know the man was had been gone. But, you know, that's how I found out he was gone. So, again, big salute to male waiters and his contribution to the blues world and his contribution to black history. What's next, Kim? How about some Marvin Cease? Candy liquor. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just wanna be eight days a week. Your candy liquor girl. I just wanna be eight days a week. Your candy liquor girl. You see, I'm Jody, baby. And Jody ain't got no conscience. Jody ain't got no pride, girl. But there's one thing I can say about Jody, though. Jody knows how to make a woman feel good. Ain't that right, lady? Ain't that right? Jody will lick you up. He'll lick you down. Turn, baby. Let him lick you all around. Oh, let him lick you, girl. Like your lover should. Oh, baby. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> now, what was he talking about? What was he licking? A candy cane? Lollipops. Lollipops. I want to see what he's been licking. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> and the following comments belong to Byron. You know, Byron. Byron. I think there's no secret what Marvin Seuss was licking back then. I mean, if you've seen some of his videos and when he gets to that certain part and he does the little thing with his tongue, yeah, yeah, you kind of, kind of, you know, guess what he was doing. But anyway, that was Marvin Seuss, Candy Liquor, from the self-titled album Marvin Seuss back in 1986. This is one of his biggest hits to date. Marvin Seuss, again, you know, making a reference to Jody, you know, with Johnny Taylor, with Jody's Got Your Girl and Gone. And Marvin seems to tell his audience that he picked up Jody. <laughs> to say the least, you know, again, another one of those hits, guys, that, you know, that's a staple as far as, like, Jug Joints is concerned. What did you guys think about it? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go ahead, Kim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but that is definitely a staple in the Juke Joint Hall of Fame. You got to play Candy Liquor. Got to. Marvin Seas is one of the pinnacles when it comes to the blues and the Juke Joint music. Got yeah. to play. You know, the you visuals. think about the you, you visuals. Think about hmm? The visuals. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, there's nothing. <laughs> there is no use of imagination on this song because you know exactly what the topic is, and I'm there for it. He, he's right telling ahead. a story. Telling a story. He keeps telling the story. Yeah, indeed. Hey guys, man. Like I said, man, I I love this song. All these songs that I, that I've chosen. You know, I remember them being in my father's tape deck in his truck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, That's so. what they were playing at his his retirement party. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, my dad is a big fan of the blues. Big shout out to Marza Moses, man. This, 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 yeah. <laughs> What's next, Kim? Next up is Lattimore. Let's straighten it out. Oh, another good one. If you're tired and you don't want to be bothered, baby, just be the word and I'll leave you 
One of those hard-hitting songs that straightened it out by the notable singer, Lattimore, blues singer Lattimore. The first version of the song appeared on his second album, More, 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 and the single spent two weeks at number one on the R&B singles chart in November of 1974. It also peaked at number 31 on the Billboard Hot 100 single chart. After signing with Malico Records, Lattimore would re-record the song in 1983 for his eighth album, I'll Do Anything For You, with a spoken introduction. And that's the version that we played. This single has also been covered by R&B singers Monica and Usher for the Panther soundtrack in 1995. And also, she put a longer version of it on her album, her debut album, Miss Thing. And the song has also been covered by O.V. Wright, Gwen McRae, B.B. King, Millie Jackson, Etta James, Clarence Carter, and Eli the Paperboy Reed. What do you all have to say about this one? Yo, I love this song. It's a classic. Um, it's a classic, man. I really wanted to put this one on my list, but it was just too many songs for me to ponder. Where is Lattimore from? Oh, good question. Lattimore is from Charleston, Tennessee. Oh, okay. But I remember this song playing in the juke joint when they're trying to take it, slow it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he had a well he's still alive uh, he's like 83 years old now but his appearance is kind of interesting with the <laughs> i'm gonna have to look that up <laughs> the, wing, the wing flip hair you know that was kind of popular with the with a certain demographic of people in the yeah. south yeah latimore <laughs> uh, had it going on man you don't don't talk about latimore like that bar don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Lattimore is the man. Is the man. You know, I know he, he looks like a pimp or whatever you might want to call him, man. But he, he's definitely a great singer, man, to say the least. Most definitely a great singer. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So basically, guys, you know, I grew up here in the, in the South where blues, a lot of blues was played. And uh, this this song by Lattimore is definitely a staple. I wanted it on my list. You know, one of you guys, I'm glad one of you guys selected it because if you did, you know, when we had part two of this episode, I was going to play it. However, Lattimore's the man. He's getting up there in age, but he's still touring. Again, big shout out to Lattimore. Uh, staple in the blues world. Phenomenal man. And he can play the heck out of a keyboard. He really can. Mm. I see. Yeah. Yeah, he played for a lot of different artists. Yeah. Um, he was a staple of that label. And they, and he was pretty much like an independent contractor in a sense. He would... So they used him for a lot of different yeah. things at the yeah. label. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. What's next, Cam? I want to go ahead and talk about this Black Street song that my cousin added. Let's oh, listen to this. Yeah. Booty Call remix.
ain't on the phone. I got a pie for her to meet. Yo, this day, who? Mr. Rump Shaker, big money maker, down low record, met her on the set, and she looked right. Gave her the number, said, call me tonight. See, I keep it real when I'm talking on the phone. If honey ain't home, then I dial another tone every day like border. Switching up the order. Yeah, I got calls from here to the border. Getting all freaking like that. I had to put this song on here because it took me back to my college days in Louisiana and we would go to like these little clubs, hole in the wall clubs, juke joints, I, I guess equivalent. <laughs> and this was always a party starter. They would they, play this. I didn't realize was, it was Blackstreet, but they would play this. And play there's it. a line dance that goes along with yeah. it. Yes, that's too. what I was sitting here trying to do. I was sitting here doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I said, oh, no, no, no. This definitely has to be up in the, in the Juke Joint episode because it really fits right in. And to me, I think this version is what boosted this song to have the success, all right? So Booty Call, of course, that's a song by American R&B group Black Street, released in 1994 from their self-titled debut album. And to Banger, uh, this song did fairly well. Number three on the U.S. Dance Music Maxi Singles Sales Chart, number 14 on the R&B charts, and number 19 on the Rhythmic Top 40 charts. The number three, I think, was because of this version here. This version right here. Whoa! Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm sitting here like, yeah. you changing that to Blackstreet. I didn't really look at the song. I was like, what song he putting on? I knew Blackstreet, but man, I yeah, knew. I remember this song. <laughs> I, I I knew which song it was, and it, and it made sense. Because like I said, many, many holding the ball clubs do play this version. They and do like, play there's, this. There's a line dance to it. I was made, I thought Brian was going to get up and do it. You know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, I love this version of this song, man. I remember the first time I heard it was at Cola Moki Mounds at a family reunion on my dad's side. Mm. Yeah, believe it or not. Yeah, so yeah, I, I definitely love this song. Great pick, Byron. Very Thanks. good, very good. Yeah. What's next, Kim? So I know we already played Mel Waiters, but we're going to play them again because I have to hear Got My Whiskey. Mm hmm. Mm. time. You're not going out to pick up anybody, right? All you want to do is let go some frustration because you've had a hard and a hell of a week. Mm -hmm. All right. Shout out to my motorcycle community, Trinity MSC, because this <laughs> takes me back because this is usually the last song they play before they kick us out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this was released in 1997 from Mel Waiters on the Woman in Need album. What say you? Man, look at here. You know, all I can think about when I hear this song is a bunch of females dancing like a little group. They got the drinks in the air with the red straws and they just they just grooving and swerving and, you know, they just doing <laughs> the thing. Just Man, swaying, this, yeah. Yeah, swaying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just doing their thing. 
man, Mel Waiters, man, he he had himself a, a a hit with this one on. Got my whiskey, man. Like I said, you know, another one of his another banger out of his catalog, man. I, again, long way too soon, Mel Waiters, man. I hate that. I know I, I feel like he had so much more to give, not just to the black culture, but like to the blues community. But um, this one is a definitely a banger. Uh, must have in the jug joint playlist, say the least. I can only imagine how this was performed live. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. this song just is giving me live vibes all, yeah. all across the board. That wasn't the live version. He's got a live version that he does in uh, in Atlanta. That uh, was from his album, I believe. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah definitely. Mel Wade is great, 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 great pick there, Kim. You know that one thing I've also noticed with a lot of blues music. You know how gospel music when they release a lot of songs, it's a live recording. Like it's the first time ever singing it in, a, mm-hmm. in whatever location. I've noticed that like a lot of blues artists do that too. It's like, it's actually a live recording of them performing it and they release it as a, an official track. I believe that's because like we talked about before, the emotion and the, the energy from mm-hmm. that live performance, it's hard to remake that. So just, Record it and put it out there. Oh, yeah. So that one could be a live, like you were saying, Marcus. It could have been a live recording. It was just on his album. Okay. Okay. Good deal. What's next, Kim? Next up is Clarence Carter. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever made love on the back seat of a car? I remember one time I made love on the back seat of a car. And the police came and shined his light on me and I said, I'm stroking. That's what I'm doing. I be stroking. I stroke it to the east and I stroke it to the west. And I stroke it to the woman that I love the best. I be stroking. Yes, Clarence Ooh. Carter, legendary. Classic. <laughs> yeah. Joking from Clarence Carter, who, of course, is our, our beloved singer, songwriter, musician, record producer, all of the above, blues extraordinaire artist of long time. He's 87 years old, still doing his thing today. Still alive? Uh, yeah, he's still alive. Wow. Okay. Yeah. From Montgomery, Alabama, originally. Stroking was his banging tune released in 1986. I remember that song being all over the airwaves, listening to V103 in the morning time, you know, or whatever before school. Then you remember those commercials? Mm-hmm. That's where where a lot of my memory from these yeah. songs also come yeah. from, them commercials, them blues, CDs that they used to sell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I miss all of that. Yeah. I know. And hearing the song and actually seeing the video or whatever, hearing the song, you would not even know that he's blind. Of course, how would you know? You know, he delivers. He's like the Stevie Wonder of of blues. Uh, I never knew that. You know he was blind, Cam? No, I did not. Wow. Welcome to the good good. (laughs) (laughs) Playing that guitar. Mm. Yeah. I never My favorite part of the song, you know, that I remember about this song they play on the radio is the part where he's talking and he was talking about his experience with this woman and she was saying, you know, Clarence Carter, Clarence Carter, Clarence Carter. Ooh. And the radio would have to we have to blank that part out. Mm-hmm. That's the part I'm, I'm that, that I most remember about this particular song, man. But then at the same time, it was just a just a, a hit. It was a hit. 
And you know, one thing about the song, because of its topic, it didn't get a lot of push. So they really pushed them to jukeboxes to be played in you know those places. Like it was really added to a lot of jukeboxes, which makes sense. You know, it fits that whole scene anyway. Yeah. I also like Patches by Clarence Carter. That's that's another good Mm. track. You got to listen to to Patches by Clarence Carter. Okay. All right. What's What's next, Kim? So we cannot play... A juke joint episode without some Betty Wright. And that is the night. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Kim. Yes. I know you just didn't play that song. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I know I'm not gonna play that song. But we just but we just went ahead and went put on past. (laughs) So did I had to include this because you know you can't go to a juke joint without playing a better right song, much less hearing this song, this particular song, which was released in night. Well, this live version, which is my favorite version of the song, mm-hmm. 1978. That's the best version. Mm-hmm. And it hit number 11 on the R&B charts as well. So, you know, it's a long, the long line of hits that she released during the course of her career. And may she continue to rest in peace. Miss Betty Wright, what do you all have to say about this gem of a song? They're all classics, but this is a a gem in the black community everybody knows this song and it's been sampled like a million times oh yeah oh yeah mm. one by candy man color, color me bad um, mm-hmm. yeah no um, knocking boots I, that's my favorite one yeah yeah but check this out though what i always liked about betty wright was the fact that i learned in life was the fact that she had range Mm-hmm. Yeah, she really had range as a singer. And I'm not just talking about just any type of range. I'm talking about like Mariah Carey type. Oh yeah, she can hit those notes. The, the mm-hmm. she really hit those high notes like no other. So I don't, I don't think she really got the credit she deserved as being like you know that type of singer. You know, people see her as a blues singer, but she really had range. She could really get up there when she wanted to. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think one of those songs after the pain. Wow, and no pain, yeah. no gain. No pain, no gain. Mm-hmm. She really shows her range in those songs as well. So yeah, you know Betty Wright. You know she uh, uh, stood in this in this thing, man. Like for real. Absolutely. What's next, Kim? All right. So apparently there is a new juke joint song by this new artist called King George. Mm-hmm. Called "Keep On Rolling." Let's listen to it. And this came out last year, apparently. Yeah. If you wanna go, baby. Go ahead and walk out the door. But one thing that you gotta remember is one monkey don't stop no show. This train gonna keep on rolling. Oh yeah, just think our life gonna keep on going. Oh yeah, this train gonna keep on rolling. Oh yeah, just think our life gonna keep on going. 
but I'll never be alone. Soon as you walk right out the door, I call Kim up on the phone. Why? Why? We <laughs> <laughs> start going down a list of names. Yeah. Sound like DMX for a second, then. He's going. Get a hip hop influence in that one too. Yeah. But but this shows that the juke joint and blues is still alive. We may not hear it as often as we would like, but there are people that are still putting it out there. And again, this was released last year on King George's Keep On Rolling album. Yeah, I like it. King George is kind of like ascending to the throne is probably the right now the king of a sudden soul blues right now. He keeps putting out the hits that everybody wants to hear. He's got like a little challenge. I forget what it's called. The, one of his new songs that hasn't really been officially released yet. You hear it on TikTok and whatnot, but definitely King George, this song right here. What's the other one, Kim, that he had? Keep on rolling. I think I know what you're talking about, but it's on the yeah. tip of my brain, but I can't. Yeah. It's, it's, it's right. It can't stay too long. Stay there, too long. there it yeah, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got to keep moving. But yeah, King George is really doing his thing right now. Big shout out to him. You can go on, on, on the internet. He's chewing all over the place right now. He's doing his thing. And so, again, I love this song. Absolutely. All right. All right. What's next, Kim? So we've talked about B.B. King several times today, but we need to go ahead and play some of that. Mm. Let's play the thrill is gone. Right. The thrill is gone It's gone away for good Wow, that was The Thrill is Gone by the late and definitely great B.B. King, considered by some as the king of the blues. That was from this album completely well back in 1969. This song was leaked back in 1970, reached number 15 on the Billboard 100. B.B. King won a Grammy for this song for Best Male R&B Vocal Performance. And it's a testament to the genius of B.B. King alongside his well-known psyche, his guitar name, Lucille. Lucille. Yeah, and so this song, along with others, pretty much staples, I guess, another blues standard. Uh, what do you guys say? Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. most definitely a blues standard. One of the greats. One of the greats. Yeah, may but, he rest in peace. It's hard to believe it's been like eight years. I know. I, I know, right? It's, it's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's really but, crazy. But I'm starting to understand juke joint music is pretty much his music, but it doesn't have that clean pop type of not pop but that it has been cleaned up for the radio mm -hmm. juke joint music is more gritty raw yeah raw. whenever i think of blues he's the first person i think of mm, of course yeah first face i see when i when i think of blues and juke joints and whatever i just picture him on the stage with that guitar in his lap 
Absolutely. But we definitely have to do another episode where we're going to have some muddy waters and dig deep and get some of these other um, artists that that may have played or or were influenced. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's next, Kim? All right. This is one of mine that I used to hear on the radio, not the radio, but um, on TV. And this (laughs) is Johnny Taylor's My Last $2. (laughs) Well, I got caught up over here. Yeah. Got caught up in this scene. And I put all of my money in that doggone gallon machine. So this was originally released and written by George Jackson and Johnny Taylor, and it's on his Good Love album from 1996. This reminds me of being in college. 1996, I was at Payne College, and if you're in college in the South, you know you broke. You just so broke. (laughs) So you understand (laughs) this song. Any college. (laughs) Ooh, any college, really, but for real, you, you you understand this song, last $2. You're just sitting there in the dorm. I don't want to eat that dorm food. Yeah. I don't want to eat that cafeteria food. All I got is these last $2. Okay. <laughs> All right, question for you guys. Check it out. All right, before Sam Cooke became a popular R&B singer, he sang with the Soul Stirrers, a gospel group. Mm-hmm. When he left the Soul Stirrers, do you guys know who took his place? Johnny Taylor. You got it. All right. <laughs> you know, they, they I mean, Go back and listen to him. He sounded a lot like Sam Cooke. And that's where he got to start with singing with the Soul Stirrers. And it just it just went from there. Johnny Taylor, he is one of my favorite of all times. It seems like because everything he put out was just really, really good. And that's why I wanted to start off the podcast with one of his songs because, you know, he's one of my favorite artists. So you can't go wrong with Johnny Taylor. Can't go wrong. Good old Johnny Taylor. Yeah, and What's yeah, staple on those commercials too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because that's where I used to. That's the first time I actually heard this song is on those blue CD commercials, <laughs> and just these last two dollars. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> What's next, Kim? This is our last song, y'all. All right. So we're going to end it with some Johnny Taylor. Duke joint. Yeah. Got a pocket full of money. I'm ready to spend. I knew when I got here, when I first walked in. Don't worry about the police. Nobody's gonna call. It's all about a good time in this whole Oh, no, no, no. 
was Johnny Taylor and Juke Joint. I <laughs> <laughs> hey, surprised nobody picked Disco Lady by Johnny Taylor. I know. Right. I know. He but we so did play songs. that. But we yes. did play that on our previous episode for Aunt Max. Oh, we did? Yes, we, we did. Sure did. We sure did. Yeah, we sure did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so many great songs. Uh, um, it's such a illustrious career spanning from 1967 all the way through what he passed away. What in uh, thousand? The 99, 2000, somewhere in that area. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 1999, I think it was his last. Well, his last album was released three years after his death. That was called "There's No Good in Goodbye." But the other album before his death was "Gotta Get the Groove Back." Which did fairly well on the charts. Hit number 30 on the R&B. So, yeah. Juke yeah. Joint. Yeah. Another great song by John Taylor, to say the least. Again, you know, this this uh, particular episode would not be complete unless we had something from the late, great Johnny Taylor. And so Absolutely. that's... Hey, so guys, that's going to conclude this episode of the We Got the Good Good Experience, our Jig Joint Blues episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Part Again, one. Absolutely. A mini. I'm pretty I, sure. I know. I, I think we're probably going to have to do it again. Do it again. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we want to thank our special guest, Miss Harriet Bootsy Taylor, for stopping by and dropping yes, some, indeed. some wisdom with us. We hope to have her back again. We want to ask you guys to continue to support us, continue to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and again, continue to listen to our radio show on WKOD 92.7 in Bainbridge, Georgia. From all of us here at the We've Got the Good Good Experience, I'm Marcus Moses, along with Kimmy Brown and Byron Brown saying thank you guys. Take care of each other. Don't be just good, but be good, good to each other. Till next time, guys. Most definitely. Take care. Bye, good, good family.